Welcome back to another episode of the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast. On today's episode, we cover the topic of Syndrome of Inappropriate ADH, or SIADH, found under the endocrine section at medbullets.com. Let's jump right in with a clinical snapshot. A 79-year-old woman is brought to the emergency department from home for altered mental status. Her family reports that she is normally alert and oriented to person, place, and time, and very conversational. On exam, she is confused, alert only to person, and appears anxious. She has moist mucous membranes and normal skin turgor. Pulmonary auscultation reveals localized crackles. Laboratory tests are significant for serum sodium of 126. This snapshot is an example of a presentation of a patient with SIADH. Syndrome of inappropriate antidiuretic hormone is characterized by excessive free water retention and impaired water excretion, leading to dilutional hyponatremia. In terms of demographics, this condition is common in hospitalized patients, particularly those on mechanical ventilation. Risk factors include old age, malignancy, and pulmonary disease like pneumonia and tuberculosis. Now for etiology. SIADH can be due to ectopic production, as seen in the case of small cell carcinoma of the lung, central nervous system disorders like infection, including encephalitis and meningitis, malignancy, stroke, and trauma, and also drugs such as cyclophosphamide, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, carbamazepine, and selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, or SSRIs, such as citalopram. The pathogenesis of SIADH is impaired water excretion due to increased ADH. This may be due to increased production of ADH, it may be due to enhanced effects of ADH due to medications, or due to overdose of desmopressin. Now let's discuss the presentation of SIADH. Symptoms depend on the level of hyponatremia. Mild symptoms are associated with sodium levels of 125 to 130, and include nausea and malaise. Moderate symptoms are associated with sodium levels of 115 to 125 and include headaches, lethargy, and weakness. Severe symptoms usually present at sodium levels of less than 120 and include seizures, coma, and respiratory arrest. On physical exam, the patient may demonstrate a euvolemic fluid status, characterized by an absence of edema and normal skin turgor. Helpful diagnostic studies include serum studies, which may show a decrease in serum osmolality, usually less than 275 milliosmoles per kilogram, a decreased serum sodium, usually less than 135 milliequivalents per liter, a decrease in serum uric acid, usually less than 4 milligrams per deciliter, and adrenal and thyroid function tend to be normal. Urine studies may show that urine osmolality is greater than serum osmolality. The increased urine osmolality is defined as greater than 100 milliosmoles per kilogram. You may also see an increase in urine sodium, which is defined as greater than 40 milliequivalents per liter. Now for some differentials. Other causes of euvolemic hyponatremia include hypothyroidism, psychogenic polydipsia, and in this case the distinguishing factor is an increase in urine osmolality on water deprivation test, thiazide diuretic use, and certain diets, like the tea and toast diet. The tea and toast diet is a low-solute diet and can be associated with states of euvolemic hyponatremia. Now for treatment. 
The management approach in the case of SIADH is sodium management and dependent on symptom severity and duration of hyponatremia, acute versus chronic. Chronic hyponatremia must be corrected slowly to prevent osmotic demyelination syndrome, or central pontine myelinolysis. You should try to correct the underlying cause when possible. First-line management includes fluid restriction, which is indicated in the case of mild or moderate symptoms and in asymptomatic cases. First-line management also includes intravenous hypertonic 3% saline. This is indicated in the cases of chronic hyponatremia with severe symptoms. It's also used in all cases of acute hyponatremia. Second-line management includes salt tablets. These are indicated as adjuvant therapy in patients who are asymptomatic. Other medications include demeclocycline, which is an ADH receptor antagonist, and vaptins, which are also ADH receptor antagonists. One main complication of SIADH to keep in mind is osmotic demyelination syndrome, or central pontine myelinolysis. As we said earlier, this is caused by rapid correction of chronic hyponatremia. Now for some practice questions. Question 1. A 27-year-old man with a past medical history of schizophrenia and bipolar disorder, well-controlled on risperidone and lithium, presents to his primary care physician for a wellness appointment. He states he feels well and has no complaints at the moment other than a mild cough and runny nose. The patient was seen two days ago for increased urinary frequency, but otherwise has nothing new to report. His past medical history is also notable for type 1 diabetes, anxiety, and substance abuse. His temperature is 98.4 degrees Fahrenheit, or 36.9 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 135 over 84. Pulse is 90. Respirations are 21. And oxygen saturation is 94% on room air. Laboratory studies show the following. A hemoglobin of 13, hematocrit of 39%, a leukocyte count of 9,500 with a normal differential, a platelet count of 196,000, serum sodium of 119, chloride of 101, potassium 4.4, bicarbonate of 22, BUN of 14, glucose of 154, creatinine 1.5, calcium of 10. Urine studies show the color is clear, trace amounts of glucose, negative for ketones, negative for blood, 1 plus protein, and a specific gravity of 1.0. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? Number one, central diabetes insipidus. Number two, hyperglycemia. Number three, nephrogenic diabetes insipidus. Number four, psychogenic polydipsia. Or number five, syndrome of inappropriate antidiuretic hormone release. All right, this was a tricky one. The correct answer here is for psychogenic polydipsia. This patient has a history of schizophrenia and bipolar disorder and is presenting with profuse urination and hyponatremia with a low urine-specific gravity, which is most likely secondary to psychogenic polydipsia which is common in patients with a psychiatric history. Psychogenic polydipsia is a common cause of hyponatremia and profuse urination, in particular in anxious young women and patients with psychiatric histories. 
they will often present with profuse, clear urination. Laboratory values may demonstrate hyponatremia, and the urine will often be dilute and voluminous with a low specific gravity. The most appropriate initial step in management is fluid restriction, which will decrease urinary output and correct the underlying hyponatremia, as well as improve the patient's symptoms. Treatment of the hyponatremia is fluid restriction unless there are severe features, such as altered mental status or a sodium of less than 110 milliequivalents per liter, which warrants hypertonic saline. Now let's review the incorrect answers. Answer 1. Central diabetes insipidus would present with profuse urination with hemoconcentration and would correct with the administration of desmopressin. Answer 2. Hyperglycemia can cause an osmotic diuresis. However, the patient would need to have profound hyperglycemia and large amounts of glucose in the urine in order to induce an osmotic diuresis. Answer 3. Nephrogenic diabetes insipidus would present with profuse urination that does not respond to desmopressin administration and is treated with a thiazide diuretic. This patient is taking lithium, which is a risk factor for nephrogenic diabetes insipidus and has impaired renal function. However, it would present with hemoconcentration, and this is a less common diagnosis when compared to psychogenic polydipsia. Answer 5. Syndrome of inappropriate antidiuretic hormone release would present with a small volume of concentrated urine. Answer 5. Syndrome of inappropriate antidiuretic hormone release would present with a small volume of concentrated urine, in contrast to this patient, and signs of hemodilution, including hyponatremia. Now for a bullet summary. Psychogenic polydipsia presents in patients with a psychiatric history with excessive drinking, profuse, dilute urine production, and improvement in symptoms with the water deprivation test. All right, let's try another question. Question two. A 72-year-old man with a history of hypertension and hyperlipidemia presents to the emergency department with three days of fever, cough, and shortness of breath. On physical exam, temperature is 101.3 degrees Fahrenheit or 38.5 degrees Celsius. Pulse is 106 per minute. Blood pressure is 148 over 92. And respiratory rate is 24 per minute. Crackles are auscultated on the right lower lobe. Chest radiograph demonstrates right lower lobe opacities concerning for consolidation. Sodium level is 118 milliequivalents per liter. He is admitted to the hospital on empiric antibiotics. What is the most appropriate management of this patient's hyponatremia? Is it one, hypertonic saline, two, normal saline, three, fluid restriction, four, salt tablets, or five, demeclocycline? If you answered three, fluid restriction, you're correct. This patient's clinical presentation is most consistent with hyponatremia due to syndrome of inappropriate antidiuretic hormone secretion, or SIADH, likely caused by pneumonia. The most appropriate management is fluid restriction. In SIADH, antidiuretic hormone is inappropriately secreted, resulting in excessive water retention, concentrated urine, and dilutional hyponatremia. Acute symptomatic hyponatremia manifesting as confusion, seizures, and or coma warrants aggressive correction with hypertonic saline 
to prevent irreversible neurological damage. In contrast, asymptomatic hyponatremia may be managed conservatively with fluid restriction, which is less than 1 to 1.5 liters per day, and if needed, a high-sodium diet and or a loop diuretic can be added. As reviewed by Go, causes of SIADH include medications like amiodarone, carbamazepine, chlorpromazine, and selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, cerebral disorders like tumor or meningitis, chest disorders like pneumonia and empyema, and ectopic ADH production, which is associated with small cell lung carcinoma. SIADH is a diagnosis of exclusion, but may be supported by findings of low plasma osmolality and high urine osmolality. Hyponatremia should be corrected slowly to avoid precipitating central pontine myelinolysis. Demeclocycline may be used in rare circumstances where patients have persistent hyponatremia despite fluid restriction. It induces nephrogenic diabetes insipidus, promoting resistance to ADH activity on the kidney. In Forrest et al.'s prospective study of patients with SIADH and persistent hyponatremia despite fluid restriction who were treated with demeclocycline or lithium, demeclocycline demonstrated superior efficacy in restoring normal serum sodium concentration. Now let's review the incorrect answers. Answer 1. Hypertonic saline is used to treat symptomatic hyponatremia. Answer 2. Normal saline is isotonic and may worsen hyponatremia by further lowering serum sodium. Answer 4. Salt tablets or high-sodium diets may be used in SIADH, but initial treatment is fluid restriction. Answer 5. Demeclocycline may be used in patients with persistent hyponatremia despite fluid restriction. With that practice question, we wrap up today's short discussion of the syndrome of inappropriate ADH. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the MedBullets podcast thus far, We'd appreciate your consideration in leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.